Happy Friday, everyone. And um, happy Good Friday. Good Friday. What a day. My goodness. I've been thinking about this all week long. And um, Good Friday is something that should definitely capture our attention. I think that we get into the habit of waiting for Easter Sunday and forget to pause and and look at the cross and look at the sacrifice because you know without the sacrifice there there is no need for resurrection power to be displayed right and so i know that that i'm supposed to be talking about roles and responsibilities this morning but i can't i can't help but but point us to to good friday and so we're going to go there um Let's go to John 18 if you've got your Bibles handy. Sometimes it's nice to listen to somebody read to you, but sometimes it's nice to follow along to see what pops out at you too. So we're going to John 18, and we're going to start in verse 28. And I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. I actually listened to this in one translation, read it in another, and then decided that we just need the ease of the the layout of the Passion Translation when we read this, because I don't want us to have to do mental gymnastics to try and figure out <laughs> what is actually being said. So let's start John 18, verse 28. And remember that if you've been following Holy Week at all, you, you know exactly where we're at. And, and, and Jesus has been arrested at this point. He, he, what a week, my goodness. I mean, it starts off with him riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and, um, and everybody gathered to celebrate his kingship, his being the, the son of God, they had revelation in that moment that they hadn't had before, and, and they were throwing their garments down before him to, to walk on. And um, what a beautiful scene. And they're, they're crying out, Hosanna. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. They even went and pulled off palm branches and they were waving him because he is worthy of, of that kind of action and attitude. And, um, and then we know that as the week unfolds, things start to happen. Jesus goes into the temple and he ransacks it. And, um, you know, I could stop there and say a whole lot about profiting at the altar, but that's, that's for another day. We'll talk about that another day. We have talked about that, but I feel like it's something that needs to be continually talked about because I think that we could so easily fall into that. But it's something that I'm super passionate about in, in not profiting off of free gifts, you know, because everything that we have has been freely given to us and we shouldn't be prostituting those gifts out, you know? That's just, that's just how I feel on that. But then we continue on and things just continue to happen. You know, Jesus curses a fig tree because it won't produce fruit for him. We could even stop there and, and, and ask ourselves, am I producing fruit for the Lord? Um, am I worthy for him to, to pull fruit from? Have, have I been found as someone who carries character um, and we know that that's why that fig tree was cursed, because it wouldn't produce for him. 
And then you have the Last Supper. Oh my goodness gracious. What a deal, you know. Jesus gathers the boys together for a meal and he washes their feet. And that is just an absolute stunning scene in and of itself. But then it's beyond that, that Jesus takes them into the garden and, and he wants, he wants to go away and he wants to be with the father. If you think about this moment, Jesus snuck away all the time to be with the father, but this is his last moment as as humanity to sneak away and be with the father from his his flesh to the throne he's capturing one last moment between him and father god and i can you know it it's an intense moment and we know that a, a few different times he comes to the disciples he's like why are you sleeping you know I just ask that you stay awake with me and that you pray and, and they're, they're incapable. They just keep falling asleep, but but Jesus is taking full advantage of this last moment. And we know that, that he, he even gets to the point where he's sweating, like his body is under such stress because taking the weight of the world's sin on yourself would be intense. You and I can't even carry our own sin properly. (laughs) And and here we have Jesus taking on the weight of all sin, right? And there's a couple different ways that we could look at this part of the story where we could say that Jesus was trying to escape the responsibility. Hey, look at that. I told Vince I could I could weave roles and responsibilities into Good Friday. <laughs> and, and I did it. I have accomplished much. <laughs> um, it, because it, to him, it was a responsibility to, to pay the price. And so we could look at, at that, you know, here he is, his body is stressed beyond belief. And, and, and he's saying, you know, Father, if this cup can pass for me, make it so. And, um, And and so we could think of this as Jesus attempting to escape the responsibility, or we could look at this in a completely different way and say that Jesus could feel death coming near him and he knew it wasn't time. And he's asking father, you know, like, I don't, it's not time to drink this cup. And we know that, that God sent angels to strengthen him. And, and I, I truly believe that, that Jesus wasn't trying to get out of something that he was asking for strength to escape death at that moment, because it wasn't yet time. And it reminds me of the first miracle that Jesus performed at the wedding of Cana. And his mom's like, we're out of wine. And he's like, woman, why do you come with me? <laughs> come at me. This isn't, this isn't my responsibility. You see, I could do this all day long. And, um, uh, and, and she's like, here's the, you know, here's the, the pots and, and the waters in there. Do something, you know, and she just walks away and leaves this expectancy on, on Jesus and um, leave it up to a mom to throw her kid into their destiny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And, and he does it. We know that he does it, but it, you know, he does tell her, first of all, it's not yet time. And and we see the same thing taking place there in the garden where he's like, father, it's just, it's not yet time 
for for me to die and um and so he the ultimate goal is he wants to make it all the way to be able to make that profound declaration of it is finished okay now now we've done some groundwork and we can jump into to John 18 but first i have to say good morning nora it's good to see you and and i also think that john said hello love good morning honey all right so john 18 Verse 28, before dawn, they took Jesus from his trial before Caiaphas to the Roman governor's palace. Now the Jews refused to go into the Roman governor's residence to avoid ceremonial defilement before eating the Passover meal. This is hilarious. It's just funny to me, the things that, that they wanted to cling to and then the things that they gave up. So they don't want to defile themselves by going into, you know, this place of residence. So Pilate came outside where they waited and asked them pointedly, tell me, what exactly is the accusation that you bring against this man? What has he done? They answered, we wouldn't be coming here to hand over this criminal to you if he wasn't guilty of some wrongdoing. That's how you answer a question without answering the question. Pilate said, very well. Then you take him yourselves and go past judgment on him according to your Jewish laws. But the Jewish leaders complained and said, we don't have legal authority to put anyone to death. You should have him crucified. This was to fulfill the words of Jesus when he predicted the manner of death that he would die. Verse 33. Upon hearing this, Pilate went back inside his palace and summoned Jesus. Looking him over, Pilate asked him, Are you really the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, Are you asking because you really want to know? Or are you only asking this because others have said this about me? Pilate responded, Only a Jew would care about this. Do I look like a Jew? It's your own people and your religious leaders that have handed you over to me. So tell me, Jesus, what have you done wrong? Jesus looked at Pilate and said, The royal power of my kingdom realm doesn't come from this world. If it did, then my followers would be fighting to the end to defend me from the Jewish leaders. My kingdom realm authority is not from this realm. Oh my goodness. Then Pilate responded, oh, so then you are a king. You are right, Jesus said. I was born a king, and I have come into this world to prove what truth really is. And everyone who loves the truth will receive my words. That's this is like this is where we're at right now in society. Like everyone trying to define or redefine what truth is, and Jesus is simply saying that anyone who loves truth will receive me. Pilate looked at Jesus and said, "What is truth?" As silence filled the room, Pilate went back out to where the Jewish leaders were waiting and said to them, he's not guilty. I couldn't even find one fault with him. Now, you do know that we have a custom that I release one prisoner every year at Passover. Shall I release your king, the king of the Jews? They shouted out over and over, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber and a troublemaker. You know, other texts actually say that Barabbas was a murderer. 
And these are the same people who shouted Hosanna. Now they're yelling, crucify him. Chapter 19. Then Pilate ordered Jesus to be brutally beaten with a whip of leather straps embedded with metal. And the soldiers also wove thorn branches into a crown and set it on his head and placed a purple robe over his shoulders. Then one by one, they came in front of him to mock him by saying, Hail to the King of the Jews. And one after the other, they repeatedly punched him in the face. Once more, Pilate went out and said to the Jewish officials, I will bring him out once more so that you know that I found nothing wrong with him. So when Jesus emerged, bleeding, wearing the purple robe and the crown of thorns on his head, Pilate said to them, look at him. Here is your man. This is, you know, we, the, there's the, the scripture that talks about him being the sheep going to the slaughter and he doesn't make a single sound. And this is a part of that. He's not trying to defend himself and he's certainly not asking for God to defend him in this moment. He has a mission. He has a, res- a, a role and he has a responsibility as the savior of humanity. And this is something that is set up from the foundation of the earth. We know that Christ was crucified at the foundation of the earth. And this is Jesus fulfilling portions of scripture, allowing himself to be beaten like this, to be ridiculed and mocked. How absolutely humiliating this moment must have been for him. To be mocked by being called the king of the Jews. And you can't help but think that like in Jesus's mind, he had to have been like wanting to say, I'm not just the king of the Jews, right? I'm the king of all, right? I have all power, authority, and dominion. But he doesn't. Because he's the lamb that goes to the slaughter without making a sound. And how quick are you and I? to defend ourselves over petty disagreements. Not Jesus. No sooner did the high priest and the temple guard see Jesus that they all shouted in a frenzy, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate replied, you take him then and nail him to a cross yourselves. I told you, he's not guilty. I find no reason to condemn him. The Jewish leader shouted back, but we have the law. And according to our law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. Then Pilate was greatly alarmed when he heard that Jesus claimed to be the son of God. So he took Jesus back inside and said to him, where have you come from? But once again, silence filled the room, perplexed. Pilate said, are you going to play deaf? Don't you know that I have the power to grant you your freedom or nail you to a tree? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from above. This is why the one who betrayed me is guilty of an even greater sin. Wow. You know, This moment for Pilate really had to have been perplexing because here he's going like, there's something about this man, right? Like there's, there's, 
something that's being pulled on within him. And he is just probably going like, I don't know what to do. So he keeps bringing him out and pulling him in to ask him private questions. And he's like, where have you come from? Like, are you really the son of God? And this is a man who doesn't even serve the same God. But suddenly he's hungry for information that he's never been hungry for before. Verse 12, from then on, Pilate tried to find a way out of the situation and to set him free. But the Jewish authorities shouted him down. If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is an enemy of the emperor. So when Pilate heard this threat, he relented and had Jesus, who was torn and bleeding, brought outside. Then he went up and to the up, then he went up the elevated stone platform and took his seat on the judgment bench, which in Aramaic is called Gabatha, or the bench. And it was now almost noon, and it was the same day they were preparing to slay the Passover lambs. Then Pilate said to the Jewish officials, Look, here is your king. But they screamed out, Take him away, take him away and crucify him. Pilate replied, Shall I nail your king to a cross? The high priest answered, We have no other king but Caesar. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to them. So the soldiers seized him and took him away to be crucified. This moment right here where they are declaring Caesar as their king is no different than the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness begging Moses to take them back to Egypt. This really popped out to me this morning, just that line alone, we have no other king but Caesar. And I was left wondering how many times in difficulty do we ache for another ruler over our life other than Jesus? How many times do we play this game just like the Jewish leaders did, where we are declaring another king by our actions, our motivations? These are the very people who claim to serve God and God alone. And when convenient, they bow down to another king, to another power altogether. We do this. We don't want to admit that we do this, but we do this. Verse 17. Jesus carried his own cross out of the city to the place called the Skull, which in Aramaic is Golgotha. And there they nailed him to the cross. He was crucified along with two others, one on each side with Jesus in the middle. Pilate had them post a sign over the cross, which was written in three languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. Many of the people in Jerusalem read the sign, for he was crucified near the city. The sign stated, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. But the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, you must change the sign. Don't let it say King of the Jews, but rather 
He claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate responded, what I have written will remain. Pilate has more faith in King Jesus at this moment than God's very own people. That's so devastating. Now, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they divided up his clothes into four shares, one for each of them. But his tunic was seamless, woven from the top to the bottom as a single garment. So the soldiers said to each other, don't tear it. Let's throw dice to see who gets it. The soldiers did all of this, not knowing they fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among them and gambled for my garment. Mary, Jesus's mother, was standing next to his cross, along with Mary's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So when Jesus looked down and saw the disciple he loved standing with her, he said, Mother, look, John will be a son to you. Then he said, John, look, she will be a mother to you. From that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. Verse 28, Jesus knew what his mission, that his mission was accomplished. And to fulfill the scripture, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting nearby, so they soaked a sponge with it and put it on a stalk of hyssop and raised it to his lips. When he had sipped the sour wine, he said, it is finished, my bride. Then he bowed his head and surrendered his spirit to God. The Jewish leaders did not want the bodies of the victims to remain on the cross through the next day, since it was the day of, the, of preparation for an important Sabbath. So they asked Pilate's permission to have the victims' legs broken to hasten their death and their bodies taken down before sunset. So the soldiers broke the legs of the two men who were nailed there. But when they came to Jesus, they realized that he had already died. So they decided to break his they decided not to break his legs, but one of the soldiers took a spear and pierced Jesus' side, and blood and water gushed out. I, John, do testify to the certainty of what took place, and I write the truth so that you might also believe. For all these things happened to fulfill the prophecies of the scripture. One of the things that, that John's gospel doesn't include is Jesus's words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. we could learn something in that alone. We're so quick to enter into accusations ring and play games there. And the trouble with that is, is that we reap what we sow. Jesus had every right to sling accusation around because his accusation was based on truth. I didn't. And when I imagine the scene and Jesus carrying that cross, I imagine him like mustering up the words, oh, Father, forgive them. 
over and over. I know that it's only said once in scripture, but it does my soul good to consider Jesus at every gruesome turn being capable of saying those words. Can you imagine having stakes rip through your skin? And I bet you he even attempted to make eye contact with the one who was driving the nails through. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know who I am. And what I love most is that Jesus had the utmost confidence in his bride. And I love the way that the Passion Translation lays that out. It is finished, my bride. Jesus has the utmost confidence in his bride to carry out his mission, to make sure that the revelation of Jesus Christ is known far and wide. But we've done a disservice to Jesus' sacrifice because we play with things like accusation. We've got so much infighting going on. And I'm not talking about just within the church. I'm talking about within humanity alone. We find every reason to disagree when we know full well that Jesus has declared himself as the truth. And as the truth, he will be received. And I think we lose sight of the fact that that Jesus even called himself the desire of the nations. And as the church, we stand opposed to that name by saying, "Mm, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. When are we going to rise up as the gates and release truth from them and declare Jesus Christ and him crucified with boldness, with great courage, audacity, And most of all, love. We could learn a lot from this story. Every time it feels like someone is driving a stake into your soul, into your character. Oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They haven't seen you, right? Do you know? that we actually have the responsibility of the ministry of reconciliation. What we forgive here is forgiven, period. What you and I, the forgiveness that you and I distribute is forgiven. When are we going to lay down the petty games of the Jewish religious leaders of Jesus's day? And come up to speed and release the good news of Jesus Christ. It's what we're invited into. It is our role and our responsibility. Until we get that down, there's no reason to burrow any deeper. We make much of all of the other things that come with a title but let's start with lover. Let's start with being those who put 
the darling of heaven on display and agree that he is the desire of every nation. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to make much of you. You said that if you are lifted high, that you have the ability to draw all men to yourself. It is upon our praises. It is upon our adoration, upon our worship, upon our proclamation of your greatness. That you are capable of drawing all men to yourself. It's not on our grumbling, on our accusations. That's not what truth is. Truth is making much of who you are. That you are the Lamb of God. And you are worthy. Holy Spirit, I'm asking for myself and for my friends today that the cross would be on our mind. That we would find ourselves thankful, thankful beyond words, thankful beyond measure for what it is that you've done on our behalf, Jesus. Just look at you. Look what you've done. You're so worthy, so worthy of everything that I can bring to you. And right now, we choose to lay ourselves at your feet. Consider ourselves dead so that you might live within us. We just want to sit here and adore you. To make much of you. Jesus, break our hearts for what breaks yours. And let forgiveness be on our lips. And let love be our actions. Amen. All right. I bless the rest of your good Friday and wish you a very happy Easter. We'll talk soon.